0: Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. All right, we're going to jump in. I got a lot to cover today. we we'll are continue with our But First series. And you know, this series could go a whole year. But understand, we're looking at different principles in Jesus, a section of Jesus' most famous sermon, the, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're looking where he's actually saying, guys, this is the way to live. This is what I have for you. If you want to walk out the plan I have for you, if you want to experience the things that I've prepared for you, this is the way to do it. And that's why we're looking at it. We set aside the first 20, you know, in, in the first month, we set aside 21 days of prayer and fasting. Why? Because we want to put God first. You're here on Sunday morning. Why? Because you're putting God first. This is the first day of the week. And you're saying, God, I'm giving you my first. And we're going to continue with that because when you put God first, it's incredible what He does in your life and how He shows up in such a powerful way. And He doesn't do it just for you. He does it so the people that know you how many of you have friends? Is there anybody that doesn't have their hand up? Because if you don't, I'm going to call you up front. We're going to pray for you. Because if you don't have friends, there's a problem. And, and it might start with you not holding your hand up. You're, you're isolating yourself. You're pulling away. And we're going to catch that devil. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, listen, here's the thing. We all have relationships. We have people in our lives. And God wants to use that relationship to leverage the gospel. How do you leverage the gospel? When God shows up in your life, it's apparent to those who are close to you. That's how you leverage the gospel. You don't got to preach at them. You got to tell them, oh my God, you're going to hell. Don't you know you're going to hell? You need to get not go to hell. They don't want to hear that. You know what they want to hear? Hey, listen to what God did in my life. Don't preach at them. Let them know what God did in your life. And it's incredible how God will affect that situation. He'll actually anoint you to share what He's done in your life so other people will have ears to hear. And they, and they might not hear it from a preacher, but they'll hear it from you. Amen? So it's very important. We, uh, we've got a text scripture for this, and basically it, it says this, Matthew 6, 33 and 34. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, there's a priority here. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, you need to get your life's priorities in line with God's priorities because God wants to do some incredible things in your life, but if you don't walk with God, you're not going to be able to experience all those. doesn't mean He didn't make them available. It's just you didn't go to the place they were, they were waiting on you. Make sense? Like you can call and order food at, at, at Pizza Hut, but if you never go pick it up, you're not going to enjoy it. Right? God's got things for us, but we've got to line up. We've got to... Follow his lead. The Bible says the, the steps of righteous again because of Jesus. Righteous men and women are ordered of the Lord. He will lead us into the things He has for us. You may say, "Well, I'm not a preacher. God can't lead me." With that attitude, you probably can't. You're probably like one of those vacuums in life. You just keep going. Until you bump into something, then you uh, you bump into something. You got no plan, no course. You know, don't be a, a human rumba. You know, actually let God speak to you and lead you so there's a plan. The Bible says there's a race set before you. It's on purpose. And if you follow after it, you're going to do and experience things that, that you never imagine because you let God lead you to these things He's prepared for you. Amen? You with me? So, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Make it a priority. Live righteously. In other words, we need to live the way we see Jesus live. We need to represent. You guys heard that before, right? We need to represent. Well, there's a right way and a wrong way. Now, does that mean, oh, I did it wrong, so God's mad at me and I can't go to heaven? No, that's not what it means. But when you do it the right way, God can use that as a witness to people around you to find out God's got a right way for them too. Not judging and condemning, that's not it. Jesus didn't come and start pointing fingers at how terrible everybody was. He came and showed them the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Watch me. And now Jesus is saying, guys, I need you to be my representation in front of those who are far from me, those who don't know me and don't have a relationship with me. And it's amazing the way that people will see God in you just by you living out your faith. You don't have to be fake and phony. You don't have to be somebody you're not. Just let them see somebody that God's moving in your life. And it's going to open their eyes, amen? And he will give you everything you need. Wow, I like that. God will give you everything you need. Remember what we said, need is, is it's a perspective. You may say, well, I, I don't need much. Well, if you're going to be a blessing to the world around you, which the Bible says, we're heirs according to the promise. We're seed of Abraham. Abraham was blessed to be a blessing. We pick up that same mantle. We pick up that same plan. So you may not need much for you, but God wants you to have enough for you and enough to be able to be a blessing to somebody else because that's the heart of God. So don't, don't get short-sighted and only look at you. Let's look at what God wants to do through you. Amen? So don't worry about tomorrow. There's going to be trouble tomorrow, but we got God today and he'll be there tomorrow and he'll, it will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So as we look at this and we start thinking about it and, and we touched on it last week and I gave you a foundation because I'm going to start talking about your finances. I'm going to talk about your money. And I know some of you just got a, uh, you know one of those uh, moments. I'm not going to guilt you into giving money. I'm not going to try to force you into it. Uh, I'm just giving you information of what God says is available if you want to do things His way. It's totally up to you. We don't pressure you for, for giving and stuff like that. Is it God's plan for the church to, the congregation to fund the ministry of the church? Yes. But does it affect whether you go to heaven? No. Does it affect whether God loves you or not? No. It, just, it It's whether you say, yeah, God, I want to be a part of this. And I can tell you from my own experience, I was born again for years. I did not have the understanding, or a Bible word, I didn't have the revelation that God, what He wanted me to do with my finances and why He wanted me to do it. I always looked at it as they're just after my money. I don't go. I don't want to. I don't want. Let's go after they take the offering. That's why we do it at the end of service. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you know why we. Well, you know why we receive the offering at the end of service? Because I believe that in the service you should be fed. How many times, unless you go to a fast food place, you don't pay for your food first. You wait till you enjoy it, till you have it, you consume it, and it's it's in the inside of you. Then. I, if I get good food, I don't have a problem paying for it. So we take, we receive. We don't take it. We receive it on God's behalf at the end of service. So hopefully, you've been blessed by the ministry, you've been blessed by the service, and then you say, you know what? I, I want to be a blessing to this ministry. I want to, I want to invest in what God is doing through this church, and that's why we do it. But we don't, we don't, you know, have ushers that take the plate and hold it in front of you, and, you know, or if you don't put anything in, they bring it back. <laughs> We don't do that. We give you an opportunity. Some people will never give. And you know what? That's okay. But the people who, who, who grow in the things of God and understand that it's for your good. See, the truth is, tithing is not a debt that you pay. It's not. You don't owe anything. Tithing is a seed that you sow. You don't tithe because you have to. When you're ready and you understand and you, you're, you're at a place where God's shown you, tithing is an opportunity, not only for you to be a blessing and be a, part, a partner with what God's doing, but also it brings blessing into your life because it's the way he does things. So I don't want anybody to think, because I'm talking about this, oh, it's money again, you know. If, if I told you, listen, I got this investment. It's not a Ponzi scheme, but if you will give You know, ten bucks every week, I promise that at the end of the month you're going to get back more than you put in. It's going to be overflowing. And I guarantee it. I guarantee it. How many of you would do it? Or say a thousand bucks or five hundred, whatever it is. You would do it. Some of you say, Well, you know, I'm not sure I trust you, you know, I don't know about your you know, I'm talking about somebody who never lied. Somebody who's always done everything they ever that's who God is. And God says, I want you to do this. Ultimately, it's to get the gospel out. But in the process, I'm going to make sure you get blessed. And you're going to have more afterwards than what you started with. I don't know about you, but that's a good investment. Matter of fact, if I had that investment and I didn't tell you, you'd probably be mad at me. Well, you tell me about that, man. I could have been making money. Well, I'm telling you, God is a sure investment. Because God himself says, test me in this. Malachi 3, I told you already last week, test me in this and see that I will not, this is God speaking, I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings on you. Not just a few blessings, not just, well, just give me what I need. Blessings so much that you can't contain it, which defined means you're blessed to be a blessing. Right? And that's, that's what God's doing. So there's no pressure. I'm not trying to talk you into it. I'm just making you aware. And I want you to know this. When God brings provision into your life, money is the base. There's so much more provision He brings. Peace, happiness, soundness of mind, you know, all kinds of stuff. Money is just the the bottom of it. So there's so much that God wants to bring into your life if you just do things His way. Amen? God always wants to take care of His people. He's always had a plan all through the Word. And if you study the Word, you'll see His heart. Because you can't really trust somebody until you get to know them. If somebody comes up and says, hey, give me 50 bucks and I'll give you 60 back next week. If you don't know them, you're not going to give it to them, most likely. You're going to say, ah, you know, I running short, dude, can't do it. You know, but if you know them and they've done it before and every time they've asked for something, they've done exactly what they said they would do and they brought you back 60 the next week, why wouldn't you do it? You're a blessing and in the process you get blessed right? And that's really what God's just saying is get to know me. Get to know me so you can know that you can trust me. And really what God does is he asks us to do these things, which which requires us to step out in faith. We got to trust him. We got to believe him. If we're going to do that, we got to get to know him. And once we get to know him, you can't wait to do it because he's that good. All right. So I hope you guys are getting this. You understand I'm not trying to you know, extract anything from you. But I do want to use a few examples of how God, through the Word, because that's our example, through the Word, that He has met people's needs and brought provision into their life, whether times were good and everybody, you know, everything was flourishing, or whether it was tough, whether it was in a famine where things were restricted, things weren't flowing, God still blessed His people, the ones who got to know Him and the ones who trusted Him. If I'm not telling you my story, you say, ah, I'm not sure that's true. I'm telling you what God has in His Word. And I can just say this, there's, a, there's several people in here right now that if you give them a chance, they would love to tell you the stories of what God has done in their life. And all you've got to do is ask them. Amen? So, let's look at this, and we're going to just use, I'm going to like rapid fire to get through it, and then we're going to cover some more stuff. Abraham, Abraham in the Old Testament, he was called the father of faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's Abraham, his son, and his grandson. Abraham was somebody who who God had a plan for him, and God went to him. You can find this in Genesis 12. God went to him and said, hey, I need you to leave your family and the land of your family and go to a place that I've prepared for you, a place I will show you. And Abraham said, okay. Now, technically, if you study the, 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 the story, you'll find that, Abraham didn't do it right away. How many of you ever heard the term, delayed obedience is disobedience? So this is going to help you to see that you don't got to be perfect. God will still show up if you make room for him in your life. So Abraham didn't do it exactly the way God told him to. He didn't leave his family. He brought his family with him. And because he brought his family with him, he didn't get to go to Canaan where God had prepared for him for a while. His father ended up getting sick on the journey. His father's name was Terah. Terah literally means delay. Um, how would you like to have that name? You're always late, dude. You know, <laughs> you know you're always holding me back. But anyway, Terah got sick and died on the trip, which kept um, Abraham from getting there when God wanted him to get there. So what we see is that in his delayed obedience, he got to the place that got for him, and it was a terrible famine. I mean, there were, it was just like horrible conditions. So God led him to go on down to Egypt. And in Egypt, God blessed him in such a powerful way. <coughs> the Bible says that when Abraham left Egypt, God had blessed him with men servants and women servants. God blessed him with uh, cattle, not cattle, I think cattle, and with camels, which was big money. It's like, you know, giving you a bunch of Mercedes. You got these camels, you know. Hey, here you go. He, he blessed him with gold and with silver. Now, some super spiritual people will try to tell you, no, God gave him spiritual blessings. Well, how many of you know cattle, camels, gold and silver, those are tangible. Put it in your pocket. Right? It's not, it's not this, this wispy, oh, I just got a warm feeling, so that's God bless. No, 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 God blessed him where he had more than he needed. And it was huge. <coughs> So, as he goes and, and he follows the leading of Abraham, he gets livestock, he gets silver, he gets gold. He's blessed, so blessed, that the kings around him said, dude, you're making us look bad. <coughs> you got to go. So he had so much blessing. And his family who was with him, his nephew Lot, also became very rich because they were following God's plan. Does that make sense? So, then his uh, son Isaac, he, you know, he uh, followed after his dad and then God came and told him, he says, I want you to move. I want you to go to a place called Gerar. I want you to live there. Isaac went to Gerar, and it was famine. I mean, people were starving. There was nothing going on. Isaac goes there while nothing's growing. He plants his fields, and he got a hundredfold return, a hundred times return when nobody else was getting anything. Why? Because God's not limited to the economy. God's not living limited to, to whatever season the world is going through, and if you follow the history of, of the world, we go through times of prosperity, we go through times of lack, then we go through times... It, 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 it's a um, cycle, and, and it happens all the time. Right now in our world... All the economists are saying, well, we're heading for a recession. We're heading for maybe worse than a depression. You know, I mean, there's so many terrible forecasts out there. What I'm doing is I'm trying to show you that if you take your eyes off CNN or the people you watch and the stock market or whatever, and, and, and put your place under the control of that, and you start saying, you know what? Wait a minute. God's still God. I'm a child of God. And he says he will meet me even in difficult situations. Even in a famine, a financial famine, maybe you, you, know, you don't have a, a, a crop that's going to come in, but you have finances. Even in a financial famine, God will still show up. And that's what I want you guys to see. And, and I want you to see that that's his plan, that's his heart, is for you to be blessed in any situation so that you can be a blessing. Make sense? So Isaac... He reaps a hundredfold. I'm going to jump a generation. That's in uh, Genesis 26. You can look it up. Joseph, it's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's son is Joseph. Joseph is, he, he's like uh, daddy's favorite of the kids. So the other sons, they get a little tired of him talking about things. He actually went to his brother and said, hey, guys, guys, listen to this. It's so cool. I had a dream. Now, he's the youngest. I had a dream that all of you were bound down to me. And the brother said, nah, I don't think so, dude. So they literally, after the dad was, made him his favorite and stuff, they said, you know, we're kind of sick of this guy. So they take Joseph out in the field, and they decide, we're going to throw him in a pit, and we're going to let him die. We're going to put blood on the coat that dad gave him, his special coat, and we're going to give it back to dad and say, look, a wild beast jumped him and killed him, and this is all that's left. They throw him in, and then one of his brothers think about it, and they go, you know, I mean, he's, he's real pain in the behind, and... You know, he, he's kind of a jerk, but it's really not right to just throw him in a pit and let him die. So let's, let's be humanitarians. Let's be, let's be upstanding and right about this. Let's sell him into slavery to those people going by. So they literally take him and they sell him into slavery. And he's taken away, never to be seen again. He's taken and eventually he goes to Egypt. In Egypt, he's sold to Potiphar, who's a, a, a government official, and everything that, that he does in Potiphar's house is blessed. Everything is blessed. So much so that the wife of Potiphar gets a, you know, so I say, hey, man, that Joseph. He's, he's got it going on. And she started wanting to have sex. sex. She started wanting to have sex with him. And I love this. Joseph realized what was happening. And this is what he said. He didn't say, nah, I can't do that against my boss or... You know, you're, you're, you're all right, but no, not my... No, you know what he said? I can't do this because I would be sinning against my God. Now, this guy, who had been sold into slavery, incarcerated, suddenly has the opportunity to have sex with this wealthy woman, and he says no. So what this shows is, is he has priorities. God first, me and my desires second, Right? Everybody with me? Some of you are going, what? All I heard was sex. (laughs) He says, I can't sin against my God. Now, does that mean he doesn't like sex? No, it didn't mean that. Does that mean that he he put God first? What are we looking at? Seek first the kingdom of God. So Joseph says, I can't sin against my my God. So he walks away while she's offended. How dare you not sleep with me? So she kind of tears her dress and goes out and tells everybody, he attacked me, and and he ripped my dress off. And so Potiphar says, you know, you can't be doing that to my wife. So he has him thrown in prison. He's in prison for years. But God's blessing is on him no matter what his circumstance. Because in prison, he ended up having favor with with the prison keepers, the guards and stuff. So much so that they bring him before Pharaoh... And tell him, hey, you know, you, you're not able to sleep. You're having some bad dreams. This guy, this guy can help you with that. They bring Joseph out because he's got this favor around him. He went from being a slave, a prisoner. Now he's right before the Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the face of the earth. And he answers the questions and, and he, he discerns the dreams of Pharaoh's having. Pharaoh sees this blessing on him. It's not Joseph doing it. It's the blessing of God. And because of that, Pharaoh, who's not a believer, doesn't say, wow, I see God in your life, amen. He didn't do that. He says, I see there's prosperity connected to you. I see there's blessing connected to you. So he literally makes this ex-slave, ex-prisoner, the second most powerful person on the planet. He puts him in charge of everything over Egypt except him. And then Joseph, while he's still pursuing his relationship with God, God shows him there's a famine coming. Egypt was the most prosperous nation on the planet at this time, but there's a famine coming. So Joseph goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, we need, to, we need to go ahead and keep harvesting. We need to plant and harvest for the next seven years because after that, there's going to be seven years of famine. And there's not going to be any food grown or anything like that. So they go ahead and do it. At the end of this time, this is so cool how God is. At the end of this time, Egypt has enough food to feed all of its people and to become the breadbasket for the planet they they literally fed other nations because somebody was walking out their life according to God's plan and the blessing was on him bless the world it's incredible what God can do also at this very time the children of Israel were starving this is the lineage that Jesus was going to come from if they died there would be no Jesus But because of what Joseph did, with the blessing that was on him, because he put God first, he was able to bring food to the children of Israel so they were sustained. So through their lineage, Jesus ended up being born, lived a perfect life, died the death of a sinner so that we could be saved. It's all through somebody just putting God first. So don't think that this is a little thing. This is huge. Well, I'm not important. Neither was the slave. I'm not a big deal. Neither was the the prisoner in the jail. But God had different plans. And God's got plans to bless you if you put Him first. So I'm trying to show you the benefit of this. You guys with me? That's in Genesis 41 if you want to look that up. You say, well, Pastor Mike, those are all Old Testament. I'm kind of a Bible scholar myself and I'd like to see it in the New Testament. Glad you asked. Ready? Acts Acts chapter 11, verse 28. I hope you guys are getting something out of this. I'm just trying to show you what's available. And you decide what to do with it. But it's all connected to putting God first. Seek Him first and His way of doing things. Acts chapter 11. What happens is that God is is always around. He's always near you. He's always got something to share with you if you'll just listen. If you'll just make room for Him in your life. So in Acts, you have these guys together, they're, they're following after God, and one guy's name is Agabus, Aggie, hey Aggie, uh, he stood up in the meeting, they're having a meeting, and being led by the Spirit of God, he says, listen guys, there's a great famine coming and it's going to be over the whole Roman world, which is basically most of the occupied world at this time. There's going to be a terrible famine and I believe God is showing us this because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. So you can be ready for whatever storm's coming if you put God first. How many of you ever had something just come out of, the, out of the left field and hit you and you weren't ready for it? Do you know the more you grow in God and the more that you learn to spend time with Him, He'll warn you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, the one who lives on the inside of you, He will warn you, He will show you what's coming so that you can be prepared. How am I prepared? You're walking in faith. Instead of focusing on the storm that's coming, Father, I thank you that you meet my needs according to your riches and glory. Father, I thank you you never leave me nor forsake me. Father, I thank you that press down, so you can get a running over. Will whatever I sow will come back to me. Press down, it's, it's going to be more when I get it than when I gave it, but I'm giving it because you told me to give it. it, it it's, he'll show you. And look what happens here. 11:28. one of them named Agabus, which we just talked about, stood up. There's going to be a terrible famine, guys, you know. And it's going to happen over every, all the world that we know. Now, what was happening was there was a locust outbreak. And the locusts were literally eating all the food. It was crazy. I just think God's got such a, just a funny sense of humor. Because Agabus, the guy who stood up and said, hey, there's going to be a locust swarm, guys. We've got to get ready. It's going to be a big deal. His name actually means locust. You know, you ever have that friend that had a kind of a funny nickname? Like Tater or, you know, Bull or whatever, you know, that they got a funny name? This guy's name was Locust. Hey, you know, guys, listen. Locust is talking. He's going to tell us about a locust swarm. You know, so if anybody can talk about locusts, it's Locust, right? So anyway, so he tells them about this great famine that's coming And look what happens. Look down to uh, verse 29. There's a great famine. It's going to be tough. No food available. Guys, what are we going to do? Look what the people who are following after God, who put God first, look what they do first. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judah. This is the heart of God. Guys, there's a storm coming. There's going to be a famine. Their first response is, who can we bless? Who can we sow into? Not batting down the hatches, save all the food, get your money, and put it under your pillow. You know, all that they didn't do that. You know why? Because they knew God would provide even in a famine. And their position as believers, born again Christians, just like us, their position was: Yeah, it's going to be tough out there. People are going to be struggling and they're going to be hurting. How can I be a blessing? Well, the only people that say how can I be a blessing are those who have the revelation that I'm blessed to be a blessing. And in spite of whatever's coming, whatever the economic forecast is, whatever the world's going through, God is still God. And if you keep Him first and foremost, He'll get you through any storm that's coming. God doesn't stop being God, and the body of Christ shouldn't stop representing God just because the stock market goes down. We should represent God no matter what's going on. Why? Because God is our source, not the stock market, not our job, not what the economic situation is. God is our source, and he promises to be our source. So here you got guys who say, you know what? It's going to get tough. People are going to struggle. How can we sow? How can we give? Now, I want you to notice that God's way is sowing and reaping. What does sowing mean? It's referring to an agricultural Lifestyle where you sow, you cast seed. When that seed grows up, you harvest the, whatever the plant is. You harvest it, and that's yours. Now, if you're an agricultural um, community, you gather enough for you, you sell the rest, and that provides whatever your family needs, like farmers. you know, If you've got a corn farm, you get whatever f- corn you need to feed your animals and stuff, then you sell it to other farmers who need to feed their animals. What God is saying, if you keep Him first, you don't have to fret. You don't have to worry about what's happening in the world. I don't care if you make. Listen, young people, I don't care if you make five dollars a week or five thousand dollars a week. God should still be your source. And if He is your source, He's going to lead you to always have enough, because that's His way of doing it. Does that makes sense. So they look and they see, and I want you to notice this: that in a time of famine. God's plan is for there to be givers. Remember, they said, we're going to sow. And there's also God's plan for there to be receivers. Because God wants to meet the needs of those who are struggling. One of the things is the best representation for God and the love he has for people is when they're starving, somebody brings them food and says, this is from God. When they're sick, somebody brings them medicine and says, this is from God. We represent a ministry of God, a Christian ministry, and He's instructed us to come and bring this to you. You can't deny that He loves you if that happens. Have you ever been blessed like that where somebody comes and says, hey, you know what, God told me to do this. There have been times in my life when I first went into ministry, I went from making $10,000 a month to $200 a week. That's a big difference. But I believe that God wanted me to do it. So I stepped out in faith and I did it. And I can't tell you how many times, not people, because I didn't walk around going, oh, I'm serving God, I'm broke. I'm broke. I didn't do that. I just counted on God. I can't tell you how many times people come up and say, you know what, God He woke me up last night and He told me to give you this. And they would give me like 500 bucks. There was a time where I didn't have the money to pay for my kid's school because I wanted him to go to a Christian school. And while I'm preaching, it's a Sunday morning, I'm preaching like this. I've got an El Camino, which I love my El Camino. It was cool. El Caminos are cool. I have it. And while I'm preaching, I'm walking back and forth and God tells me, He goes, Give that guy your El Camino. And I did what any Christian would do. I said, Get behind me, Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus. (laughs) You know. There's no way that's God. I need money. Why would I give my car? If I had to, I could sell my car. It's a cool car though. I don't want to sell it. So I kept preaching. God said, give that guy your El Camino. God, I'm working. Can you wait till later? You know, and it just kept coming up. So finally, I'll be honest with you, out of frustration, I reached in my pocket, got my car keys, I walked over and go, here, God wants me to give you this. Here's what happened. I gave it to him, no strings attached. I didn't tell anybody that I was struggling. didn't tell anybody I didn't have the money to buy my kid's uniforms. At the end of that service... There was probably 50 people in the room. At the end of that service, people just started coming up to me. Hey, Pastor Mike, God told me to give you this. God told us to give you this last week, but we wanted to give it to you on Sunday morning. People walked up and gave me over $9,000 for a car that was worth maybe $2,000. You know, But I had to be willing to put God first. I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't get stuck in my own self where I said, I'm going to figure out the way to handle this. I'm going to do it my own way. I went ahead, and I was reluctant. I wasn't perfect. I was like, I'll be honest with you, I was like Abraham. I was a little slow in obeying. I kept walking back and forth, hoping that would go away. You say, Did you hear an audible voice? No. I heard it on the inside, and I knew he wanted me to give it away. Some of you heard this testimony before. The moment I gave it to him is not the moment God was providing for me, because he had told most of those people to give it to me the week before. That's the moment that I put myself in a position to receive what God had already prepared for me. You don't do this to get God to jump through a hoop. God's already got the plan to meet you and to provide for you. You just do it to be on team God. And He'll move. And He's preparing people. You're not limited to what you can do. So many times I've, I've, I've fallen to that and said, well, what are we going to do? Donna, what are we going to do? And she always, she's such a rock. She always goes, "Well, it's not what we're gonna do. It's what's God gonna do." And of course, then I get a little mad because she's so spiritual and I'm not, you know. But but really, that's the way she is. And if I say, like, I lost my phone the other day. I never lose my phone. Donna loses her phone like almost every day. I know when we get to heaven, there's gonna be some angels all, you know, tattered. Their wings are gonna be ruffled, and they're gonna have dirt all over them, and they're gonna look at her and say, "Finally, we get a break." because they are always rescuing her. She leaves her phone everywhere. I never lose my phone, so I get to tease her about losing her phone. The other day, because of a duck, a real duck, I lost my phone. I was at the gas station. The duck is walking in the way of all the cars, big trucks, and he's hungry. So he's walking, and they're, you know, and stuff, and they're driving around him. I'm thinking, this duck's going to get smushed. So we had had the kids. We went to... Where did we go? Cracker Barrel? Went to Cracker Barrel. So I had a biscuit with me. So I sit down. I go, "Hey, give me that biscuit." While the car's filling up, she gives me the biscuit. Now, apparently, I don't remember this, but apparently, I laid my phone on top of the car. No. So I break up the biscuit and I get the duck to get out of the road. You know, dumb duck. He's about to get run over. But I got him to get out of the road. Go back. The car. The gas was done. Put it in the car. Get in the car. Driving down. We're on 45th Street. We have to go to Boca to uh, take the kids back. Right before we get there, I go, hey, babe, give me me my phone. I don't have your phone. I go, come on, stop joking around. She didn't have my phone. So we pull into Chris and Nicole's house. We do the handy dandy, you can find your phone on your watch now. And it says my phone is on 95 (laughs) on the overpass of Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard. I immediately go, great. Great, I got all those pictures in there. It's probably getting run over by every car because now it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon, rush hour traffic. I'm like, great, it's, you know, the sky's falling, it's all over. And Donna goes, no, babe, God's going to protect your phone. And of course, I was convicted and said, yeah, amen, yeah, you know. (laughs) But anyway, so I'm just being real with you. So we get this and we get up there and a map on your watch is not the same as on your phone. So I'm like, where is it? So I get her phone. I kind of make the map on her phone look like the map on my watch, only it's bigger. Because the only place my phone's showing up is on my watch. So I have to pull. I'm on the right side in the emergency pull-off lane on the overpass, and it's nowhere to be found. I'm thinking, oh, great. She goes, let's go to the other side. There's a thousand cars a second going by, like this. And she's like, let's go to the other side. I'm like, sure, poof, and yet, no, <laughs> five o'clock, believe it or not, I look, and she's like, go, there's an opening, so I zip across, just like this, not going this way, I went this way on 95, pulled over into the left-hand lane, all the way at the other side, and I'm looking, and I said, it says it's here, so she's like, back up, and I said, how are you doing that, <laughs> you know, backing up on it. So I go, I'm just going to get out and look. I get out of the car, I walk about 15 feet, my phone is sitting next to the the concrete wall, nobody ran over it, it works fine, there's nothing wrong with it. You know why? Because my wife believes that God protects us, and he always provides for us. And I am learning that lesson every day. But God wants us to be blessed. He's got a plan for us and He wants to to show us and lead us if we'll let Him. Philippians 4.19, I'm going to close with this. Philippians 4.19 says, God promises that He will supply all of your need not according to your need. Philippians 4.19, He promises to provide for you according to His riches. Well, how, how do you think God's riches stack up? He's the creator of all things. He literally owns everything. This world we live in, we think we own stuff. We don't own anything. It's like a toy box. It's like a sandbox at a, at a, at a preschool. You go there, you play with the toys, but when it's time to leave, all the toys stay. That's the way it is for us. We come into this world with nothing. We leave this world with nothing physical. We only get to be stewards over it while we're here. He will provide for you if you will just focus on Him and allow Him to do it. He will meet your needs according to His riches. Why? Because according to His riches, you'll be blessed and you'll be able to be a blessing. You say, well, does that mean I've got to give everything away? No, because you can't outgive God. We're going to look at next week and then we'll be done with the financial part. So, you know, don't miss next week. Well, I'm tired of hearing about money. You may end up with more money if you listen to God's way. Amen? But the Bible tells us that as we sow, there's a process that God blesses. And He'll make what you have. You say, well, if I give that away... I, can't. I have people tell me this. Pastor Mike, I can't afford to tithe. I'm like, you know, I don't mean to offend you, but you don't know God. Because if you knew God, you know you can't afford not to tithe. Because He's going to cause it to come back more than what you started with. Oh, that's just religious stuff you say to get my money. I don't get your money. Your money comes into the church. I had one guy come up and tell me, He actually owed me money, a lot of money. He goes, I give money to the church every week. I go, dude, I don't get that money. That money's accounted for. That goes into the church account. I get a paycheck from the church, which probably is less than most of you make. And I don't mind, because I got into ministry for the outcome, not the income. You know, I don't mind. And plus, I count on God to bless me. So I have a lot more than what I make. Amen? But I told him, I said, you're not giving to me, you're giving to God. You think you're giving to me, you're not getting anything back. But if you know you're giving to God, he says he'll give it back to you. You know, and well, anyway, that's another story. I got to close, you guys. This is good stuff, though. Next week, we're going to look at the, the, the way that it works and how God uses what we have to cause increase come into our lives so that we can be a bigger blessing. It's all a process. It's a cycle that he wants to have in your life. And if you constantly count on Him, you're going to get through any storm. You're going to be blessed. You say, well, I've been wanting God to do something for 20 years, and He hadn't done it. I promise you, if you check, you haven't done it His way. But you know, you can give to God and still not be doing it God's way. If you're grudging and say, here's your money, God. God's up there saying, I don't need your money. No. He's looking down and saying, it's all mine, dude. You know, It's not like they're going to shut the lights off in heaven if you don't give your, your whatever you give. God's up there saying, oh my God, what are we going to do? We've got to keep the lights on. Jesus is the light of heaven. Amen. He doesn't need your money. The reason he asks for your money is so he can get you more money, so you can be more of a blessing, more of an influence in a world that needs him more than ever. Amen? I hope you guys are getting something out of this. I love you very much. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you for understanding. Thank you for revelation. Thank you for letting us get to know you in a way that we can learn to trust you and put you first. Father, all of us have gathered here for your glory. We're saying you're high and lifted up. We're declaring that you're our God by sitting in this building today or watching online. We want to say thank you. We acknowledge you as God. Father, we, we strive to be obedient to your plan. Some of us are in different places in our walk, and, and it's not a black eye. It's not that there's anything wrong. We're all growing. So, Father, we know that you're gracious towards us, and we, we receive that with thanksgiving. We ask you to bless our day, keep us safe as we go throughout our days. And, Father, we thank you that by faith, our church days blesses the rest of our days with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never gotten to know God well enough to make him Lord of your life, his son, Jesus Christ, to make him Lord of your life, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you. The Apostle Paul said this. He says, I beseech you. Pastor Mike says, I'm begging you. Consider Jesus. I'm not trying to get you to become religious. You could probably tell by now I'm not a very religious guy. But I've learned to have a relationship with a living God who loves me and has a plan for me. And that's all I'm offering. If you'll open up your life to him, if you'll make room for him, he'll come in in a big way. But he will never force his way. And he will never force you. He gave you a will. And he's doing so much to show you that you can trust him with your life. So if you're here today or if you're online today and you're ready to open up your life and say, you know what, I, I, I didn't want religion, but this, is, this seems real. I, I want God the reality of God in my life now I'm going to ask you nobody's looking around and here's my promise I'm not going to embarrass you you can raise your hand I'm not going to have anybody look at you I'm not going to have you stand up and tell us anything I only want you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for because I pray for the people who raise their hands throughout the week because that's some pretty important steps as you first start your walk with Jesus so if you're here today and you say you know what this is, this is what I've been missing I want this and you say I want to receive Jesus I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now Online, I see your hand. Amen. Online, you can raise your hand. I see your hand. Amen. Anybody else, you're ready. You say, you know what? I, I I want the reality of God. I'm not looking for religion. I'm looking for something real and tangible. If that's you, raise your hand. Today's your day. I see your hand. Amen. Anybody else? I'm not going to try to talk you into it. This between you and God. had so I see your hand. Amen. I see you getting help with your hand. So I'm going to pray for that person next to you also. <laughs> Amen. But they love you. That's why they want you to raise your hand. So, And if you're online, this is your moment. Get on our, our website. Get on our, our Facebook and let us know. And, and we're going to be praying for you too. Everybody say this with me. Father, today, right now, on February twelfth, two 2023, I opened the door of my heart and I invited you in. I receive you and I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook.